Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, federal employees. My name is Dallin Haas. Welcome to this Q&A episode of Haas Federal Advisors, where we answer your questions that you have about your federal retirement, about investing, about taxes, about anything when it comes to empowering you to retire confident. And I just realized something. So in most episodes, I say good morning. That's kind of my go-to um, intro. But I realized, well, I record most of these in the morning. Um, these actually are released in the afternoon. So I, I really don't know when you're going to be <laughs> watching or listening, but uh, good morning just sounds good. So I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> I'm going to keep doing it. So again, um, if you're new here, we talk all the time about empowering you with information, of course, about all your federal benefits, all the great benefits you have as a federal employee, but all the other things that affect you and the things that will help you and empower you to make sure you and your family are going to be taken care of for the rest of your lives. So we have four questions today. I know we normally do three, but I'm feeling four. There's some good ones. So we're going to jump right in. <clears throat> Question number one. This federal employee says, I have worked for CBP or Customs and Border Protection for 15 years and my wife has been on my health care plan since the beginning. But now she is going to be start she is going to start working at the post office. I am 50 and she is 57 and I want to retire at 60 and therefore she will retire at the same time and she'll be 67. How many years would she need to work to keep health insurance in retirement? My thought is that I it would we would be able to save money in premiums if we both had individual coverage instead of family or self plus one coverage. Okay, great question. So this is a common situation where there are two people, a couple, right? And they're both federal employees. At least the, you know, the, the, spa, the wife in this case is going to be a federal employee working for the post office here soon. She's 60 right now. So to be eligible to keep health insurance on your own working history, um, first, you got to retire with an immediate retirement. So for her, she'd have to be at least 62 and have at least five years of service. So she'd have to work for five years at a minimum to be able to keep life insurance on her own working record in retirement. And the five-year mark is really a big mark for her because first, she could keep health insurance. She can get a pension right away. Um, there's lots of good things that could happen. So as long as they stick to their plan where she retired at 67, she'll have seven years at that point. She'll be able to keep it. Now, um, <clears throat> with the underlying assumption that it is going to be cheaper to have individual plans compared to, you know, self plus one, I don't know. It depends on the plan. I've seen both ways. I've seen it where um, having, you know, self plus one is cheaper. I've seen it where having two individuals is cheaper. So just look at your plan and, and how it changes in retirement, stuff like that. But at least having the option is really, really cool. So yeah, two federal employees when they're when they're a couple, there's a lot of cool planning opportunities um, to check out. And I've actually made a couple of videos on that. Um, with two federal couples uh, or two people that are a federal, federal couple, um, there's, there's some cool plan strategies um, to do when it's when it, and that is the case. So question number two, they say, if I retire at age 62, but I only have 15 years of service, what would be my calculation percentage rate? Okay, so let me clarify what they're asking here. So if you are familiar with your pension calculation, basically how they calculate what your monthly check is gonna be once you retire from the federal government, they look at first your years of service, right? That's big. They look at your high three, basically average salary of the top three earning years of your career, right? Um, and then they look at your multiplier. And the multiplier is what he's talking about here. Um, 
So for the vast majority of furs, the multiplier for you guys is 1%. And for this person, if he has, if he's age 62 and he's got 15 years of service, his multiplier is going to be 1%. Now, for traditional furs, the only time it's not going to be 1% is if you are 62 or older and you have 20 or more years of service. If that is the case, your multiplier gets a 10% bump. And so your pension gets a 10% bump. Now, this is what he's really getting to is that even if you're older than 62, but you don't have 20 years, you're not going to get that 10% bump. You have to be 62 and have at least 20 years of service. Okay, and a side note, if you're a special provisions FERS, often your old multiplier is 1.7%, but again, the rules for, for those folks are different. That's a whole other video to discuss all of that. Question three. They say, thank you for explaining FERS retirement better than my agency. You're very welcome, my pleasure. It has been very helpful. My question is, are you eligible for the FERS supplement with an MRA plus 10 retirement? Okay, so let's break this down again. So first, the first supplement, if you retire before 62, you are eligible potentially for a, um, they call it the first supplement, basically a supplementary payment to your pension. It's more money every month on top of that. Now, you have to meet certain eligibility requirements. I've written a huge long article on this. If you just Google Haas Federal Advisors, the first supplement, it'll pop right up. You can check it out. Um, but there's a certain type types of retirement that you have to retire with to be eligible. And this federal employee is asking, hey, what if I retire with an MRA plus 10 retirement? Basically, you hit your minimum retirement age, right? Which is between 56 and 57, depending on your birth year. And you have at least 10 years of service, but not um, not 30. It's, it's between 10 and 29, right? Right in there. Um, and the truth is, no, you're not eligible, unfortunately. Unfortunately, you are not eligible for the first supplement with the MRA plus 10 retirement. You have to have at least 30 years with your minimum retirement age or at least 20 years at age 60 to be eligible for the first supplement. So unfortunately, um, that's not good news there. <laughs> You're not. So again, if you want any more information about the first supplement, you could Google um, Haas Federal Advisors and, and first supplement or MRA plus 10 retirement. You can do the same there. Um, I've got a bunch of great information that'll pop right up in Google um, all about that. Question four. This is a bigger one. They say, I canceled my Fegley, my federal life insurance, years back due to me getting older and the rates getting higher. This is a very common situation where it just gets expensive, so many people um, get rid of it. But I did buy a $750,000 30-year term policy from a private company. I am now 55, 50, or, uh, 45 years old, and I will be eligible to retire at 52 under the special provisions. I opted for this insurance so that when I retire, I won't have to elect a survivor benefit for my spouse. So if I die before my wife, even though she won't receive um, a reduced piece of my pension, she'll get a lump sum of $750,000. Does this make sense in, in your view? Okay, great question. I, I get this type of question in different forms pretty, pretty often. So if you're not familiar, when you retire and you're, you're married, then there is a question on your retirement application that says, hey, um, do you wanna leave a piece of your pension for your spouse? And um, if you do, it costs you money. And these are three options, the main options. First, you can do a full survivor benefit. Basically, it would cost you 10% of your pension while you're both alive, but if you pass away, your spouse um, would get 50%. So let's do an easy example. Let's say your pension's $1,000 a month, okay? So it would cost you um, $100 every month 
to provide this. So you'd only get 900, right? And if you pass away, your spouse will get 500. That's kind of the, the very easy example to kind of figure out how this works. Um, the next option, you can give your spouse 25% of your pension, but it'll cost you 5%. And the last option is zero, zero, right? You don't pay anything, they don't get anything. Um, and there's two aspects to keep in mind. There's first, if you pass away, does your spouse have enough income? And that's huge, you wanna make sure they do. Second, you wanna make sure that they have health insurance. Because if they don't aren't covered under a survivor benefit and you pass away, then they cannot stay on your federal health insurance. That's kind of one nuance there. So that's one of my biggest concerns when I hear this situation where they're trying to replace a survivor benefit with life insurance. That can work sometimes, but there's a few concerns. First, do they have health insurance on their own? Does your spouse have health insurance on their own? Now, this federal employee, right now they're 45, so even if they got this term policy yesterday, it's a 30-year term, right? And so it would take them to 55, 65, 75 years old. They'd be 75 years old and this policy would go away, right? Um, and so my question is, what if they pass away after 75, the federal employee? Does the spouse have the income they're gonna need to retire and keep up a standard? You don't wanna leave them destitute um, in their older years. So that's something to think about. Again, you may have these kind of contingencies planned out for, but these are kind of my main concerns over time. Now, another concern with trying to replace a survivor benefit with insurance is that a survivor benefit, just like your pension over time, is gonna go up with inflation, right? Once you're retired, um, over time, your pension will increase with inflation. Now, the rules are a little different if you're special provisions, um, whether you're traditional first on when that's gonna happen, but over time, it will increase with inflation, so will that survivor benefit. If you just get a term policy, a life insurance policy, often it won't increase with inflation over time. And so what is, what if inflation is crazy over the next 30 years? Well. Um, $750,000 is not gonna be what it is today. It's gonna be a much smaller buying power down the road. So these are some of the things to think about where it's very difficult to replace a survivor benefit well with life insurance. Not everyone needs the survivor benefit, but you want to think through all the ramifications to make sure that you and your spouse are taken care of no matter what. So those are the four questions today. If you have any questions yourself, there's a link below to submit questions to my website. And that's the pool of questions that we pull, of course, for the, the Saturday Q&As. And second, that we often get ideas for the other, other day's pieces of content to answer your questions and give you the best value that we possibly can. So I hope that was helpful. Have an incredible rest of your day, your week, your month. We'll see you next time.